please turn with me this evening to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. Mark, chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, Jesus and his disciples, into the country of the Gadarenes. And we're looking uh, this evening at this tremendous account of the Lord Jesus' power, a tremendous demonstration of his power in delivering this demoniac from these demons and bringing him to sit still, bringing him back to a normal life, bringing him back to, to calmness again, doing for him what no other man uh, can, can do. And a picture, friends, to us of what Christ can do for us, what he can do for our souls. Man cannot help us. Man cannot save us. Man cannot deliver us from our sins. Man cannot deliver us from our guilt. Man cannot deliver us from hell. Only Christ can do these things. Only He, friends, has the power to do these things. And He is willing. He is willing and able to help us. He has the power to help us. He has the heart to help us. The problem so often is ourselves. We are reluctant to come to Him. Or there are other things that come into our mind that fill our time. We succumb to the influences that are around about us and we uh, yield to those things. Just like this devil, as we see, influenced this man and sought to keep him even from Christ and to ruin his life. So also the devil is out also to keep us from Jesus Christ and to so fill our lives that we have no time for him, so, so fill our lives with other things and he's out, friends, to ruin people's lives. This man's life, poor man, poor man, ruined by an evil spirit, ruined by these demons that dwelt within him. But we'll come to this in a minute. But uh, here... I just want to see, look first, before we look at chapter 5, let's go back to the other side of the lake. Christ has crossed the lake uh, on a fair ship and come to this, the gatherings. But what was he doing on the other side? Well, for that, we need to go back a chapter, uh, chapter 4 and verse 1. And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. There was Christ on the west side of the Lake of Galilee, the familiar territory to him, and multitudes were listening to him. The crowds were, were so packed around him that he had to get into a boat and he had to teach them from a boat. But they, they loved to hear his teaching. They hung on all his words. They, they, they spent... Uh, if you read the chapter, you'll see they spend the whole day listening to him teach. So wonderful were his words and his teaching. No man taught like Jesus Christ. At the end, towards evening, well, he had to send them away. And uh, he's, after he sent the crowds away, that's when he got into that boat and they crossed over uh, the, uh, the lake. They had to go, pass through a, a storm and then they landed on the other side uh, here in the country of the Gadarenes. Well, this is unfamiliar territory really to Christ. 
This is foreign territory to him. It's, uh, it's said that the people of this land were probably apostate uh, Jews. And uh, we get an idea of that when we see that they were pig farmers, something the Jews would never do, uh, and th which there was, it was ceremonially unclean for them to eat uh, pigs. And it's a Gentile land. So here in this place is where Christ comes to. It was a place as we see, that was known for its limestone tombs uh, upon its hillsides and a place really where Christ came knowing as the Son of God, before he came here, he knew that he would not be welcomed. He knew that he would be rejected by the multitude. He knew that they would tell him in the end to go away. As the Son of God, he knew that was going to happen. Then why did he go there? Why did he go there? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? It's just for this one man. He went across that, all that way just to save and to rescue this one man. In his mind's eye, he could see as the Son of God that this man's life was being controlled by the evil one. And he felt for him. And he felt pity for him. And he determined, I'm going to go across and save uh, that, that man, I'm going to deliver him uh, from these, this power that is controlling him. I'm going to bring him into his right mind. I'm going to bring him to myself. Just for one man. In fact, there were, the, the Gospel of Matthew tells us there were two demon-possessed people. But uh, Mark and Luke, who also record the same account, well, they just focus uh, on the one, probably because he was the more fierce or the more outspoken uh, of the two. But for just these one or these, these two people, Christ made uh, that journey across the lake, knowing, uh, knowing that the majority would re reject him. But friends, it's a picture to us also of Christ coming from heaven. That's a lot further than just crossing the lake. He came all the way from heaven into this world. And when we think of what life was like for him in heaven as the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, there multitudes and multitudes of angels and the saints who had gone before, they worshipped him, they loved him, he is adored, he is respected, he is honored, he is glorified in heaven. But he left that place to come into a world that he knew was also going to reject him on the whole. Well, many would accept him, but many would also reject him and turn him away. Many would hate him. People would come and be out to kill him and put him to death. But still he came. Why did he come? Why did he come? Well, because of the great love that is in his heart, the great pity that is in his heart for lost and perishing sinners. This is why Christ came, friends, to make an atonement for his people's sins because he set his eye upon us and he determined, I'm going to go. I'm going to pay for the price for their sins. I'm going to liberate thousands and thousands who believe in me. I'm going to set them free. I'm going to transform their lives of all those who believe in me. I'm going to bring them into a good relationship with God again. I'm going to bless them 
And then when they leave this world, I'm going to take them with me to glory. This is why he came, friends, to be a blessing and our, to be our deliverer. And that's what this passage really is, is saying to us. So let's look at it a little bit more. And firstly, just, let's just think about this man. This uh, man who was so controlled uh, by these evil spirits. We read, firstly, when he was come out of the ship, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. In verse 6, it actually tells us he saw Jesus from afar off and ran and uh, fell down and prostrated himself uh, before Christ. But this man, he was in a very, very sorry state. Oh, we see firstly uh, that he has an unclean spirit. That is, he was possessed of an evil spirit, a, de a, de a demon. This was not only outside of him, influencing him, this was in him. This was controlling him. This was directing him. This was overcoming him, not allowing him to do as he chose. Now, demon possession uh, at that time was quite common. When you read the Gospels, you come across it often that the Lord delivered people from such a condition. But since, since Christ's coming and since Jesus died on the cross, since his death, since Calvary, Things have changed. Because of the cross, demon possession is not so common. It's uh, only, uh, it, it's, it's rare, and it's only those really who open themselves up to uh, direct uh, activity with the evil one who may be subject to such a possession. But Christ has uh, uh, limited now what the enemy, uh, the devil, can do. But at this time, it was common. This time, in this place, this person, well, it was in him and influencing him and overpowering uh, this man. So he had no freedom. He couldn't do as he wanted to do. And besides that, he was, this devil was tormenting him. We learn later that the name of this demon, when Christ said, what is your name to the demon? The, the, the answer came back, legion. Now, legion is uh, in uh, a Roman, uh, a Roman uh, sorry, uh, six, around 6,000 uh, Roman uh, soldiers. That was usually what a legion was, uh, uh, quite a number, 4,000 to 6,000 uh, soldiers. So it was a huge number, thousands of demons that were in this person. doesn't necessarily mean there were 6,000 in them, but there were a very, very large number of these powerful uh, spirits in him. One would be strong, but thousands controlling him? Imagine that. Oh, friends, what could this man do in the face of such a uh, 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 force that is within him? How can he deliver himself? He's in a helpless condition. Who can help him? No one can help him. People tried to help him. People tried to keep him under control, but no one could deliver him. No one could bring him into a better condition of life. He was possessed. He was under this force. His home, we read here also in verse 3, was his dwelling was among the tombs. This is where he wandered from day to day, a purposeless, aimless existence for him. No meaning really to his life. What kind of a life 
is that for him? And then we read, he was a wild man. Look at verse, the end of verse 3. No man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. He was such a wild man. He was, we could say, like a wild animal, uncontrollable, fierce man. People were afraid of him. People, if they see, saw him coming, well, they'd get out of his way because they knew trouble was coming and they were scared of him. He had such strength that even they couldn't, uh, he could break those shackles in pieces. When they managed to shackle his hands and his feet, well, he would just snap those chains away uh, from him so easily uh, it seemed. No man could bind him for a long period of time. What, what words are that? Like an animal, isn't it? Neither could any man tame him. Neither could any man subdue him, still him. He is uncontrollable. But then there's another side to him. Look at verse 5. Verse 5, always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Sad side to the man. On the one side, he's this fierce, wild-like animal. And on the other side, uh, he is this man weeping, crying, howling, uh, the word suggests, and cutting himself with stones, self-harming himself. What a miserable condition to be in, distressed, unhappy, sad, helpless, powerless to uh, save himself from these things. He knew and he felt these things. Oh, friends, that's what the, the enemy is out, out to do. That's what the enemy is out not, not to make us happy. That's what sin is out to. Sin, in the end, never really makes us happy. Sin makes us miserable. And the devil wants to make our lives miserable. Our happiness is only in coming to know God and coming to believe in Him and live in a right and a good relationship with Him. But this man, friends, this is what many of us are like before we are before conversion. Before I come to Christ, I am perhaps like this man in, in, in a similar state. I don't realize it at the time, but there are forces which are uh, outside of me and forces which are within me, which are controlling me and dictating to me and, and controlling me. And, and sometimes they are overpowering me and directing the way that I should go and how I should live my life. I think I'm free I think I've got free will. I think I can do whatever I like. I think I can make my own choices. And you can to a certain degree, but at the same time, uh, we don't realize that, we're, that, that all these influences that are uh, weighing upon us, and we're listening to them, we're following them. We're not possessed like this man was possessed. The devil is not in us, thankfully, but he does influence us. He does come in, in this very sly way to whisper things into our ears, to sway the things that we do and the choices that we make in life. He tempts us to sin. and We give in. So easily we give in. He whispers in our ear, you don't need God. You don't need to believe in Him. This is all a story. The gospel is all a story. 
This is all rubbish, she will say to you. Throw it away. Don't waste your time with these things. And we listen. Before we come to Christ, we listen to him. Oh, this is only for the weak, he will say to you. This is not for you. You're strong. You're able. You're capable. You don't need all that. And we listen to him. He lies to us, friends. He lies when he tells us there are no consequences to our sins. You can do as you like. You can sin with a cart rope and you'll get away with it. Look, you sinned last time. Nothing happened to you. You can do it again. There is no God. He won't punish you. There is no day of judgment. And even if there is a God, oh, he's kind, he's good, he's love. He will forgive you. He won't punish you. This is how he influences, friends, and we don't take the word of God seriously. We believe these things. Oh, we can't see him. We can't hear his voice audibly. But this is how he influences so many of us. We think we are free. We think we're free thinkers. We think we're making our own decision. We've been influenced. We've been affected. That's the external force. But there's also an internal force some also, which is directing us and controlling us. That's our sins, friends. Our sins control and dictate often how we act. How am I going to act in such a situation? Maybe I want to act in a particular way, but I find I can't because there's a power within me. There's something within me that makes me act in a way that is contrary, and I know I shouldn't be like that, but I am, and I respond in that way. That's an internal force. That's, that's sin They're within us. We can think of anger. We know how sometimes anger gets such a hold of people, and they cannot control it. They see that red mist they talk about, and they say... Uh, all they can do is just vent their, their fury and their anger on whoever. And woe betide the person who is at the end of those things. Because it's really scary and frightening. Just like this man. It's a fierce kind of anger. Sometimes maybe it's a very bitter kind of anger. Sometimes it turns even into a violent kind of anger. And they can't control it. They maybe try, but they feel it's out of control. I, I don't know what happened to me. And they come out of that period and say, I don't know what happened to me. I just lost control. When they come back to some measure of sense, it's terrifying to others, but they themselves feel that they have no power of it. Some are controlled by an impure lust and unclean desires. And they cannot uh, stop, uh, stop uh, uh, indulging in these impure things. This evil desires drives them back and forward. They give, they've given in to their lust so many times, it's become a chain to them now. They cannot break free from it. And it's something uh, that they are addicted to, as it were, something that's controlling them and what they, they do with their, their bodies and their lives. For many, many of us, it's also something else which controls us before conversion is selfishness. Me first. Oh, my, my concerns, my needs, my happiness, my life, that's what, that's what matters. Other people don't really matter. Other people are secondary. It's me first, my way, my time, my rules. I'm free to do as I like. It's me, it's my life. No one has a right to dictate to me what to do. Oh, friends, it's not true. 
Because what's dictating you is selfishness. What's dictating you is a love for yourself. That's what's ruling you and I. How can I be liberated, friends? How can I be liberated from these things that are really too strong for us? Well, the only way is through coming to Christ. Only He can set you free. Sin is too powerful for us. It's our responsibility. I cannot blame the devil for it. He influences me and sin influences me from within, but I obey it. I follow its dictates. I do as it tells me to do. The the responsibility is with me. But how can I, if I'm longing to be free from these things, Christ alone can set me free. I cannot free myself. I cannot tame myself. Only Christ can tame me. But you know, that doesn't stop us trying. Until we come to the end of ourselves, well, we think, I can do it. I can tame myself. I don't need Christ. I I can put certain things in place which will help me to overcome these things. For example, I want to get a hold of my anger, that fierce anger, that uncontrollable anger. I'm determined uh, now, from now on, to defeat it. I don't want to be like I've been before. So what do I do? Well, I, let me go on an anger management course. That will help me. Well, I join some self-help group, and we'll talk about it with other people, and I'll get some good advice, and I'll get some tips on how to control and what to do when the anger comes. But when the anger comes again, we blow up again. Maybe it works for a while. Maybe it works for a short time, but not long after it all breaks out again. Or maybe some people say, oh, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. From now on, I'm going to be different. I'm going to behave differently. I'm going to follow now, from now on. I've never had a set of moral codes. Now I'm going to follow a set of moral codes. Now I'm going to adopt the Ten Commandments even for my life. And in that way, I will make myself better. I will make myself a good person. I will uh, overcome these things that control me. No, friends, it won't. A new morality, adopting a new morality, will not change you. What you need is a new heart. What you need is a transformed life. Not a, something on top of, a, a, a piece of clothing on top of something which is dirty underneath, as it were. You need a new, something new from within. It's a useless formula, friend, to trust in a new morality or a, a, a different kind of lifestyle. I'm going to live a clean life from now on. That won't change you. That won't make you a different a person from within. Friends, we are helpless. Helpless uh, if uh, without Christ. The only deliverance, we, the only one who can deliver us is the Lord Jesus. But remember, it's not only deliverance that we need, but it's also forgiveness. And forgiveness must come first. Our sins have offended a holy God. And uh, we must come to Christ primarily or firstly for forgiveness of our sins. And we must plead with him, Lord, forgive me that I've allowed, that I've sinned against you. Forgive me, Lord, that I've offended you. Lord, I've lived in rebellion against you. We come and we acknowledge our sins to God. We come without 
any excuse and say, Lord, it's my fault. We don't come blaming anybody else. It's my fault. I've done these things. Have mercy upon me and give me also a new heart. Lord, change me. Make me different. Christ is our only hope, friends. Without Christ, uh, not only are our lives dominated by these internal and external forces, but just like the man before us here, uh, we, we also, who found his life meaningless and purposeless and aimless, so also we are the same before we come to the Lord Jesus. Our life, what is it? There are times when we think, what is my life? What's happening to me? This, it just seems uh, so pointless, everything in life, and so unrewarding and so unfulfilling. And we feel a deep dis dissatisfaction in our hearts when we uh, think about these things. And going from day to day, doing the mundane things of life, and we brought, what is the real purpose of life? And we feel deeply miserable, maybe, at times. Well, friends, you may have heard, I'm sure you have, that some of the most miserable people in the world, according to their own confession, are comedians. It's sort of strange, isn't it? Those who stand up and, and uh, ent entertain other people and tell jokes and make other people laugh boisterously and they on the surface of things, when they're on the stage, well, they seem to be so happy and yet they, they themselves tell us oh, behind the scenes they are the most, they feel so miserable, they feel so, so sad, they confess to a deep unhappiness backstage when they are out of the limelight this is what they've said friends and we may be like that in front of other people on the show of life on the stage of life well we may be lively we may be gregarious we may be outgoing people those who who are the life and the soul of the party and we come across in this way but behind the scenes when we're on our own well it's a different story and we feel once again that deep uh, dissatisfaction in us. Well, <coughs> also, we, 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 well, let's, let's move on maybe to see what Christ did. Now, in verse uh, 7, Christ commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. And it, it answered. It sometimes took over this, this man and uh, spoke through him this evil spirit. What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. What have I to do with thee? The evil spirit said. What is there between me and thee? We have nothing in common, he's saying. Why are you interfering with us? Leave us alone, is what uh, basically uh, they are saying. Well, friends, the moment you, you become serious about the Lord, the moment you really want Christ, the moment you really want salvation, don't be surprised if sometimes you find a new difficulty coming into your life some, or some distraction happening in your life. Something, maybe a friend will call you and say, come over and uh, let's do this and this together. Let's, on a Sunday, let's, uh, let's go across, let's uh, meet. And, and it's something that's appealing to you and you want to do it and you find it attractive. But... On the other hand, you will lose out mishearing the gospel and you will lose out maybe seeking the Lord and it's going to affect your, your, your real, uh, seeking uh, to be right with the Lord. 
Well, friends, that's the enemy who would seek to come and take us away from, from Christ. He's so clever. He so often will do this. And he will try and prevent us but in some way or other. So be aware of that. Continue, friends. Don't let anything stop you from seeking God until you find him. Never rest until you find the Savior, until you obtain salvation from him. He's ready. He's willing to give. Never stop. These unclean spirits, this legion, well, they had to leave the man. Christ had commanded them to go. They had to go. They delayed going, it's true, a little bit. But when Christ said, come out of the man, they had to come out. They had to listen to him. And eventually, you read that they left the man and went into the swine feeding nearby. In, in an instant almost, they had to go at his word. And all these swine, well, they went running down the hill and into the sea, into the lake, and were choked. But look at this man, verse 15, now. After his deliverance, verse 15, they, uh, they come to Jesus, the, the villagers, and saw him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. But what a change has happened to him. What a wonderful change has happened in his life. He is so different than he was before. Look at him sitting and clothed before another gospel tells us actually he was naked. Now he's clothed and in his right mind. Everything is at calm. You have that picture of a man at peace and calm and under control. And Christ in an instant has brought him to this position. Oh friends, this is what Christ can do. This is what Christ can do for your soul. Christ set him free by his power. Christ gave him peace. Christ brought him uh, to this uh, wonderful position. This is what Christ can do for you. Are you seeking him? This is what he can do. Christ can set you free. He can, uh, he can deliver you from the power of evil. He can transform your life. He can give you a new start. He can give you a better life, just as this man did. But remember, friends, forgiveness first, and then transformation alongside of that, the transformation of life. Christ died so that we could be set free. Christ paid the price on Calvary's cross so that those who were the devil's captives and sin's captives can be set free from those powers and made to live life in a different way, a better way. There is a better way. There is a higher way. And that is when we go a Christ's way. Friends, don't look within. Don't look within. Don't trust to some method to help you or deliver you from these things. Only one person, only the Son of God uh, can help you. Only Christ can give you power over your sins. Oh, I know, and we know, I should say, a brother. And this brother, in an instant, was delivered from the power of drugs. Drugs held him. He's told me he was addicted to all kinds of drugs. But when he prayed one day to the Lord, cried out to him, in an instant, the Lord delivered him from the force and the power of those drugs. Another, another a man, and this is repeated often, 
controlled by anger, uncontrollable anger, fierce anger, just like this, this, this person was. And when he was converted, the Lord delivered him from that anger, and he was a different man, and he became a gentle man, and he became a gracious man, and he spoke in a different way. Oh, friends, this is what Christ can do. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Peace, Christ gives us peace with God, and peace also with ourselves. Don't we long for that? A conscience that doesn't trouble us. Oh, time is up, but did you, you may have read of a, of a man, I just did, uh, who was troubled because of a football match. 50 years ago, 50 years ago, he played in a football match and he scored a dubious goal. Basically, he pushed the goalkeeper over the line while the, goal, the ball was in the goalkeeper's hands and the referee gave, gave the goal and the, 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 the match ended in a 1-1 draw. That was 50 years ago and he's been troubled by it all that time. So then recently, uh, even, even uh, uh, this, this year, he got all the same team together and he had a rematch just so that he could clear his conscience. And of course, the other team won. <laughs> but he, all this was troubling him. For 50 years, just over a small thing like that, we could say, uh, of, a, of a dubious goal. And he, he said, whether we, we win or we lose in this rematch, it doesn't matter. My conscience is now clear. How troubled people are over the conscience of such a small thing. Well, sin. Troubles us, troubles our conscience, friends. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can bring us to peace in our conscience and take the guilt away. Oh, come to him, friends. These people, as we see one final point, and these people, well, they, the people of the city, they begged Jesus to go away from him, begged him to depart from him. And they, the majority we read, well, they were afraid of him. Uh, they dreaded conversion. And so many, well, they're afraid. What will happen to me if I'm converted? What will happen to me? Will my life change and, and uh, bad things happen? Maybe I should tell Jesus to, to go away. Don't do that, friends. Don't tell him to depart. Conversion is the one, most wonderful thing, the most wonderful experience you can ever experience on this side of heaven. And this is something that you must have. Oh, friends, don't tell the Lord that he's not welcome. These people, they told him he's not welcome and he took them at their word and he left. And maybe if you say to the Lord, well, I don't want your salvation, thank you very much. He may take you at his word, at your word. He may not come and deal with you ever again. And that would be a sorry state to be in. Rather say to him, friends, stay, Lord. Don't depart. Welcome, Lord. Welcome into my heart. I receive you, Lord, into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me. I repent of my sin. I trust in you. Make me your child. My life is for you. Don't leave me, Lord. Don't forsake me. Don't leave me to the world. Don't leave me to my sins. Don't let me fall into judgment. But be my savior and my deliverer. This is, Lord, if we pray to him, he will hear. And as he did for this man, he will do for you. He's able to, and he's willing to do this. Well, friends, let's pray uh, together. Oh, Lord, we give thee our thanks and our praise again.
for thy mighty power and thy great willingness to save us and to deliver us, to make us better men and women than what we are, to bring us, O Lord, into that peace, a real peaceful relationship with thee, and at peace also with ourselves. O grant that if we may know the blessing and the joy of these things, even for ourselves, and that each one of us may rejoice in Christ our Saviour. We ask in our Saviour's name. Amen. Let's close by singing our final hymn, number 407, Jesus, Redeemer, Redeemer, Saviour, Lord, the Weary Sinner's Friend, 407. Thank you.